Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Cloud overhead, hoping that I break that. Won't get a hold, won't determine fate now. Everybody listening to this podcast right now has scored just as many points as Duncan Robinson did in the last game. Listen, I don't know if that's how I want to start the show with the slander to my guy Duncan, who I do like a lot, especially on a a personal level because I listen to the Long Shot Podcast. Really, really great show. I am a fan, and by all intents and purposes, he seems like a really great guy. But when I watch that game versus Indiana and I see him have absolutely zero points, could barely even get on the court because when he's not making shots, he's pretty much a a, a huge liability out there. I was going to say a word that's much meaner, but, you know, he's a nice guy. You don't deserve it. But then you see Buddy Heal just go and rain threes like there's no tomorrow. It's frustrating. It's frustrating when you see other teams' players constantly play well and the guys that Miami's paying all this money don't. But we're going to go ahead and get into that game last. First off, welcome back to Believe in the Miami Heat. I, as always, am your host, Anthony DiNardo. Of course, brought to you by the Believe Network, as always. Now, this is like my seventh or eighth episode over here. Having a great time, by the way, and really do appreciate y'all tuning in. But we're still trying to figure out kind of how we want to do these podcasts, uh, kind of what we want to talk about, especially since there's not too much going on because it's been the same issues. Uh, For this Heat team, I'd basically say the biggest issue is size and rebounding uh but you could basically say that every single year that they did not have pj tucker which is why that was a big loss but again that topic's overplayed so we're not gonna get into that so i will say the plan for today is to kind of recap each of the three games that happened over the last week the last week the heat finished two and one but they stand overall at four and six so the first two games was a revenge tour back home versus golden state and sacramento two teams that had beat us over on the west coast now before that, that Golden State game is obviously after they lost to Sacramento. Spolster had a pretty hard call out of the team slash Tyler Hero, basically talking about how the ball movement is not great and the ball sticks a lot. It's kind of hard to tell whether he was trying to single out Tyler Hero or not because basically he was asked about Tyler Hero's great performance versus Sacramento. And Spolster basically said, I don't care. Like, we lost, bro. Like, don't ask me about Tyler Hero. Like, the ball's not moving at all. I mean, he didn't use those exact words. He, he was very subtle about it, but I, I'd like to believe that he was just talking about the team in general because I do believe the whole team had very poor ball movement pretty much majority of the season. But going into the game versus Golden State, Tyler Hero actually got poked in the eye pretty early on and he had to leave the game. And coincidentally, maybe not coincidentally, the ball movement looked great since then. I know they got off to a pretty slow start, but then they started moving the ball absolutely amazing. Uh, Lowry had nine assists, eight for Jimmy, six for Bam. And when you move the ball like that, that is how you win games. And of course, he did come away with a win versus Golden State, which I would feel good about. But Golden State has lost four in a row into all pretty much bad teams. I know it was like Orlando, Detroit, and Charlotte, I think. Uh, so maybe that team is just not that good right now uh but it was nice to see Jimmy Butler he had a really great game uh he again played with that sense of urgency because Jimmy Butler I've said it I'll say it a a lot during this podcast and during the season he doesn't need to be playoff Jimmy every game I don't want him to be playoff Jimmy every game with his play style and his age that kind of play is not going to last you a whole season and obviously what's most important is that he's healthy going into playoffs now so far (laughs) if the season ends today this team would not be in the playoffs. 
So I understand he has to pick it up, you know, at certain times. And I think that's what he did versus Golden State just because he knew they couldn't lose three in a row. But the great thing is, is that he really did it all. He was able to get to the free throw line. He rebounded well. He attacked the basket, had all the assists, even hit a couple threes. So it was nice to see him be very versatile that game. Lowry had a good game. He took some bad shots. I've come to the uh, the realization that uh, he's pretty much going to do that every single game. But Dwayne Dedman was a plus. For the first time this year, I don't remember watching, or I, I it's, it's when I watched Dwayne Dedman and didn't finish saying, wow, he was a complete non-factor out there. In fact, he was a factor, a negative one, and he was terrible, but he was a plus. Uh, and I was actually uh, starting to feel really good about him. And then he took a, a terrible step back three that did leave a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth uh, because Jimmy was kind of driving in and then he did a little dump off to Deadman in the mid-range. You'd think Deadman, a guy with zero offensive skill whatsoever, would maybe hold on to the ball, look for a teammate, look for Lowry or one of the other guards to set up the play. They still had like 15 seconds on the shot clock. But no, Dwayne Deadman took a dribble, took two steps back behind the three-point line and just pulled a disgusting three-pointer, which... I wish he would stop shooting threes unless they were wide open in the top of the key, uh, which he's hit a couple. Uh, but again, that's all the threes that he's hitting. Not none of these step back threes, crazy hook shot stuff, whatever. But Duncan, ha- or Duncan, Deadman had a good game, so I can give him credit where credit is due. But Duncan Robinson also had a good game. Five of eight from three, and he once again proved that he is the best shooter on the planet. Now, he's not, but he, I, I certainly thought he was two years ago. I remember I was arguing with everyone saying, yo, this dude, Duncan Robinson, is a better three-point shooter than Steph Curry. And he certainly was uh, against that game versus Golden State uh, uh, again as well, which was nice, even though he pretty much was a no-show the rest of the week. But you know what was really great is Max Struess also had a really, really good game, 4-10 from 3, 24 points. He outscored Stephen Curry, which means that we We got another. This is a Spruce Daddy alert. Let's go, baby. (laughs) It's been a while since we did one of those Spruce Daddy alerts, but that's my guy, Max Spruce. He showed up all week, and I love the confidence that he shows. That's kind of why he's my guy, and Duncan Robinson is a frustrating player <laughs> to watch. I don't want to get too much into to why I'm frustrated with Duncan, uh, again, because uh, I've pretty much talked about that on like three episodes of this podcast already, but it's a confidence issue, not a talent issue. That's why it's frustrating, because I feel like it's on him. You know, it, like We know he could shoot. He doesn't know he could shoot. Just got to get out of his own head a little bit, and I think he'll be a much better player. But when you finally have both your shooters have very, very good games, you can win some games. It always seems like if one guy's ball and the other guy's completely terrible, that's why this team has been off to a slow start this year. But also interesting is both of those guys closed the game versus Golden State. Usually you'd see Spo have maybe one of the shooters and one of the defenders, whether it was Caleb Martin or Gabe Vincent. But no, he kept both the shooters out there uh, and it worked. It worked very, very well for them. I mean, overall, Miami as a team shot 16 of 42 from three, which is an amazing 38%. Nice to see just because last year this team was the first seed because they led the league in three-point shooting. And this is what happens when you don't lead the league in three-point shooting. You're four and six and like 11th or 12th in the Eastern Conference. Now, the problem with this is I don't think that's sustainable. I don't think taking 42 threes a night at 38% is sustainable, which I guess we're seeing that because that's probably around what their averages were last year. And guess what? They were able to sustain it for most of a regular season, but then they got cold towards the end and, of course, cold in the playoffs, and they don't have it back this year. So I guess all their good three-point shooting games, maybe they wasted last year. But 
that's how this team is going to have to win games because they can't rebound, right? So that's how you overcome that is by getting some extra points from the three-point line. The problem is that is not sustainable. You know what it is? Getting rebounds. Unless you have a power forward who's 6'4", then you can't do that either. So again, my mind has not changed on this team, even though they did have a winning week. They still need to make some moves, especially to get some size, because I don't think you can win very many games lacking what they are lacking at that power forward position. But they also won it with their defense because in the end, in the final five minutes of the game, Miami only gave up two points, two points in the final five minutes. That is this heat culture. That is their identity. People, I mean, I've heard this dumb national media. That's why y'all listen to me. We do the local coverage on the heat because it's national media. They don't watch the games, but they'd be saying, oh, Miami doesn't have an identity. Are they defense? Are they shooting? No, they want to do a little, well, their identity is small. That's their identity. But also, they, they want to be able to shoot, but also play defense. But at the core of Heat culture and Pat Riley philosophy, it's always going to be defense. So it was nice they were finally able to play some really great Miami Heat defense at the end and come out with the win, especially after a relatively bad third quarter uh, in the third that, uh, that put Golden State up pretty big. Miami was able to come back, and it was nice to get a win especially since we thought Golden State was a good team, which now I'm not so sure because they're on that four-game losing streak. But regardless, uh, they beat us over there. We had to come take care of home court, and they did just that. So moving on against the Kings, we found out that Jimmy Butler was out. I thought it might be just some kind of uh, rest type thing because it was the second night of a back-to-back, although Jimmy did miss the game versus Indiana. Also, uh, I'm still not that concerned, though. Uh, I think they said the injury was just some sort of tightness or soreness or something. Uh, certainly, we didn't see anything happen in the game. So I'm sure he's just fine, and I hope he's back Monday versus Portland. But it was nice because when Jimmy's out, the three things you want to see is great games from Lowry, Tyler, and Bam. Those are your big money guys. Well, I guess and Duncan Robinson, who did nothing. But <laughs> I'm so sorry, Duncan, man. Like, my guy, I love you, but... You know what? We're not talking about Duncan no more. We've done it enough. I got to stick to my word and stop mentioning this man, bro. But anyways, uh, Lowry was very, very aggressive early on. Uh, Again, we saw some bad transition threes down the stretch when the game was close, which is one of the most frustrating things. But he's also hit big buckets in both games. And most of them is either getting to that rim or that really, really great fadeaway turnaround shot that Lowry does is awesome. So I don't know why he keeps taking those terrible transition threes every time the Heat are a big run. It's it's really just a huge momentum killer. But I do want to give Lowry credit. Had a great game when we needed him. Can't say the same versus the game versus Indiana, but we'll get there. But against the Kings, Kyle Lowry had 22-5. and Really great game. The whole big three played well. I had 20-plus. Bam with 20 points, 11-6. And what I like the most is the 16 shot attempts. I, I absolutely love that. I want to see Bam get 15 to 20 a night with or without Jimmy. Without Jimmy, I'd honestly like to see him get 30, but I'm not going to be mad. As long as you can get over 15 a night, I think that's going to make this team a lot, lot better team, especially since he's been shooting really, really efficiently. Even in the game versus Indiana, he took 14 shots. Again, I want over 15, but I guess it's better than nothing, but 7 of 14 is fine without Jimmy, but still, I was proud he was aggressive versus the Kings. Tyler Hero, of course, uh, uh, what did I say, 26 and 12, no assist. Uh, you, you would have hoped that he would have been able to be a little bit more of a facilitator without one of your biggest facilitators and Jimmy out there. 
but he still had a good game. I like to see when Tyler Hero's rebounding because he can help make up for some of that lack of size if you have some of the guards crash the boards as well. And he's done a really good job of that this year. Dwayne Dedman, back-to-back games with a plus. Now, he was only a plus one in 15 minutes, but I'm used to him being a, a minus 37 in 15 minutes. So shout-out to Dwayne Dedman for having another good game. Uh, we also saw on the Kings side, Kevin Herter and Sabonis absolutely killed again. I'm big fans of those guys. I feel like they're really underrated. I feel like people didn't think Sabonis was a big addition to Sacramento. And I know he's not having some sort of crazy year, but he's a very, very talented player. I actually think they need to run the offense through him a little bit more. And Kevin Herter, again, other team shooters hitting their shots when ours aren't are frustrating. But Kevin Herter is a good player, uh, and he played very well again. And we got a little shade of Random Scrub Heat Killer Hall of Famer Malik Monk, who had 19 ports uh, that game. But it wasn't enough for the Kings as Tyler Hero earned that max extension, pulled up for the game, winning three, and drained it almost at the buzzer. Only about a second left to give the Heat a win. Now, a couple things on that. Yes, he 1,000% traveled. It was not even close. I honestly have no idea how that was not called a travel. Uh, But the reason he did travel is because it was a horrible shot selection. He basically just went ISO for the entire length of the shot clock pump fake with the guy right in his face and he had nowhere to go except travel to get a little bit of space and he still didn't even have that much space so shout out to him for hitting the shot but I don't understand why I mean really all the teams do this so I don't want to just single out the heat but because we did see it from the heat in back-to-back games I will speak on that it's terrible terrible offensive execution down the stretch why is it that these teams we see these teams move the ball all game they all play very very well and then when it comes to the last shot of the game or last couple possessions, it's all ISO. It's give the ball to your best player and get out of his way. That is stupid basketball. It is very hard to score in isolation, particularly in the end of games when the defense knows to key in on Tyler Hero. We all knew Tyler Hero was taking a shot. There was no screens. There was no ball movement. Only one person touched the ball. And it worked versus the Kings, even though he traveled. But guess what? It didn't work versus Indiana. We can talk about that game versus Indiana a little bit because Tyler had another great game, 29-5-5, but he missed the game winner, which was a terrible shot. Same thing. Give the ball to Tyler Hero. We went to work, and he I thought he actually had some space when he caught the ball, but no, they all try to wait to the buzzer and end up getting an absolutely terrible shot. The, the defender was in his jersey, and of course, he missed it because it was an awful shot. It, it was. I was I watched the game. Uh, after the Kings game, I watched the, the Boston Celtics versus the Cavs. And the Celtics were down two, and they ran a beautiful screenplay. Mark Smart uh, set, set a little screen. Tatum went back door, and Tatum got it. Well, not an easy dunk because Jared Allen was there. But still, a dunk, something going into the rim, some sort of set play, and they were able to tie the game. Why can't the Heat? You know, Spolster is, is very good at those inbounds plays with like a second or two left. But whenever there's plus 10 seconds left, it's always ISO and get a terrible look. Always. I can't stand it, especially for a guy in Spolstra who's such a genius when drawing up plays. I really feel like that game was there to be won. Not to mention they only needed the two to go to overtime against a bad team. You'd assume you'd beat the bad team in overtime, but they settled for an awful three-point look. I don't get it. It's frustrating when you see the team move the ball all game, and then they do that at the end of the game. That was probably the most frustrated I've been after a Heat game just because Indiana is a team that is actively trying to lose. They are in the victor uh, when Benyamba Sweet takes. You finally could have crawled all the way back to 500. You would have been 5-5, five and five, and now you're sitting at 4-6 and six staring uh, a pissed-off Portland team right in the face because you beat them in their home court, and they are going to be gunning for you to beat you in Miami, a team that has still been playing really, really well. 
If you fall to four and seven, you start digging yourself in that hole that is very hard to uh, get out of, and you're going to be playing catch-up all year. And they are dangerously close to playing that catch-up game all year, which is not what you want to be because that's how you find yourself in that playing game, and that's how you find yourself losing in the first round, which is the worst-case scenario. This team, as built, looks like they are going to be right around average. You can't do that. I said this last episode too. You have to buy or sell. Do not stay where you're at. If they think they're good enough and if the piece is out there come trade deadline to to be a championship contender, you get it. If not, you got to sell. You got to sell Max Struess. You got to sell Gabe Vincent because you cannot go into the offseason and lose these guys for nothing. And you also can't overpay them because that's how you're going to have another Duncan Robinson on your roster. And then you are in salary cap hell. So you can't let that happen. Elsewhere versus that game uh, against Indiana, Bam, like I said, took 14 shots, 18 and 10, which is fine. Kyle Lowry, very disappointing, but not surprising. He had 10 points and, and six, uh, oh, only three assists, but he shot one and nine. Listen, Kyle Lowry, he's not much of an NBA player at this point. Yeah, he had the good game versus the Kings, but that's what I'm saying. He's not much of an NBA player at this point, meaning he can't do it every game. At his age, it is not sustainable, and he's not the player that he was even the beginning of last season. I immediately would still put Gabe Vincent in the start lineup and cap Lowry at 20 minutes a night because his minutes, his minutes out there are very, very negative. I don't even know. His, he was only a minus two uh, in that game versus Indiana, but he does not pass the eye test. He is getting absolutely killed on defense, and especially when you already were playing guys like Tyler Hero, who, who yeah, Tyler had 29 points, but he probably gave up about 30. Tyrese Halliburton absolutely cooked in the second half. Buddy Hill was dominant in the first half. A lot of those points were on Tyler Hero. And you can't have Kyle Lowry out there shooting one and nine, taking god-awful shots when he's getting killed on defense too. Now, Lowry had a decent week. He did do okay, but still, I don't think this team can win very many games with him at the starting point guard. And no disrespect. Again, he seems like a great guy too. And he certainly is a, a you know Hall of Fame caliber player for everything he did in Toronto. But at this point... With this team in Jimmy Butler's window, I don't think he can do it. I don't think they can keep wasting their time with him in there at the starting spot. I can't. Or with Caleb Martin at the four. I, I really don't. So it's nice to see, uh, well, it's not nice to see the, the drama that's going on with the Brooklyn Nets just because of the nature of that drama and everything that Kyrie Irving is, is saying and doing. But regardless, that team is not playing well. They do have a lot of drama. The main goal for me now, or hope at least, is that that team wants to sell. They decide to rebuild, and you can go ahead and get Kevin Durant on this roster who has been dominating the season, and now you are a championship team. That's the hope. So I even made a three-team deal with Katie goes to Boston, and we get Jalen Brown because I would love Jalen Brown. Oh, my God, would I absolutely love that. But anyways, that's all we got for this Heat Week here. Yeah, they went 2-1. Am I feeling great? No. Am I feeling different? I guess not. Still have the same problems as last week, and like I said earlier, they are going. Uh, they are perversing Portland at home Monday at 8:30. Why wow, they they play it late on Monday? I hate when they. Play. I wish all the games started at like 6 p.m. That would just be great, man. I really am getting. I'm really am getting old. I'm only 24 though, so I don't want to uh, annoy anyone by by saying that because I know I'm still young in the grand scheme of life. But uh, let's give a prediction for that game versus Portland. Let's go ahead and say. Miami loses. <laughs> Let's say Miami loses like 120 to 107. Uh, I'm sorry. That, that Indiana game really just irked my soul, man. 
But hopefully we get Jimmy Butler back. Hopefully Nikola Jovic is okay. I forgot to mention that he uh, he had his nose broken or something. I would have liked to see him get some minutes. Not that I think he would have helped, but just to see the young guy get some run. But hopefully Jimmy's back and then they could beat a Portland team. And I guess that would put them uh, one game under 500 again. And it looks like their next game would be against Charlotte. So it w- they would have a relatively easy team to try to finally get back at 500. Because the sooner they can get out of that hole, the better. But either way, thank y'all for tuning in, man. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you didn't enjoy the podcast, I'm sorry. Ain't nothing I could do about it. But you know what? If you did enjoy, the, if you did not enjoy the podcast and you still listening to this point, that's kind of crazy that you stay for this long. But I do appreciate it. But anyways, that's all I gotta say for this episode. I will talk to y'all at some point next week. Appreciate y'all tuning in. I am out. On a different plane, different time zone. Step around, no attention, child. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.